Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today in the podcast studio, I'm joined by Patrick Woods, Managing Director of Linwoods. Patrick, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Sarah. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Now, before we begin and get into the chat, I'm just going to give everyone a little bit of background on Patrick and the family business that many of you will know already. So Patrick is the third generation of the Woods family to be involved in the Linwoods business. It was initially founded by Patrick's grandfather as a small grocery store and hardware business in County Armagh. Patrick's dad, John, took over the business at the age of 21. Many years later, John set out on a mission to improve his own health after suffering a health setback, which led him to discover the many benefits of milled flaxseed. So now Linwoods is today one of Ireland's leading health food brands, having experienced an increase in turnover of 17% in 2020 to 2021. And the company aims to enhance people's health and well-being, helping them feel great every day by providing sustainable and healthy food. So, Patrick, it's a family business then. It's something that you probably has always been there. Tell me what your first memories of the business are and then how you got involved. Yeah, so I suppose my first memories are of Dad getting up really early every morning. So we sp- you spoke there about the the my grandfather starting the business and then unfortunately my grandfather died quite young at 42 oh so my goodness. dad and the family of 10 had to take on the running of of this business his oldest sister Genevieve took it on at 17 and essentially dad left school at 14 and kind of grew into the business and at 21 he took it on so yeah it, it changed into we started importing bread and milk from the Republic of Ireland into Northern Ireland and we had at its peak 70 vans on the road delivering bread and milk throughout Northern Ireland so I always remember him getting up at 4am to go down and check all the vans out of the yard and then he'd come home and get his breakfast and then go back down and do a day's work and then check them all in again in the afternoon so yeah it was long hours and a huge commitment or or if there was a customer complaint, somebody got a, you know, a pint of milk that was leaking, Dad would have went off and took us in the car. To, I remember going to Kilkeel one night to see a customer to to sort out the the complaint, and I remember sitting in the car. I said, "I was wondering, is he ever gonna come back out again?" Goodness! So the customer service was was so personal, and um, that was a huge blow for him. I'm sure you understand more as an adult um, to lose well to lose your grandfather, yes, but for your dad to lose his dad at such a young age, and that's really where the health uh, focus probably started. But then your your own dad had health issues too. Yeah. So. There's a, there's a strong history of heart disease within the family of the Woods family and unfortunately uh, on my maternal side as well. So future's not looking great for me. <laughs> so, but yeah, there, I think of his 10 siblings, seven or eight of them have had heart bypasses. Oh. So including dad in 94 and 
really his doctor said you have to start prioritizing your health and you know exercising to which he answered i don't have time to exercise mm. the surgeon said you must exercise and he took that very much to heart and completely transformed his lifestyle he is a real exemplar of health he's 80 years old coming 81 now at christmas time works full time he walks every single day as directed by the doctor and is really really strict about his diet as well so he's really reaping the benefits of that lifestyle now but he's super super dedicated to that and he's still involved in the business absolutely so i succeeded him as md in may of this year and he says he's retired but he is absolutely not retired he's very much still involved which is great to have him still in the business now tell me, um, it was the milled flaxseed. He really he, he he saw something there, and he knew personally that it was helping improve his health. For those who the uninitiated, perhaps who don't understand the health benefits, can you just tell us exactly what Linwoods produces? Yeah, so it all started back during the war, actually. So when the food was rationed during World War Two, so he's I'm showing his age here. They used to import milled linseed or flaxseed, it's the two names for the same product, milled linseed from Canada to feed the animals on their farm, they own a small farm. And he always remembers his mother saying, you know, the calves have never looked as healthy after they stopped bringing in the milled linseed. So dad was walking through a show in Brussels and somebody offered him a sample of milled flaxseed and he stopped to taste it. And automatically he was brought back to his childhood of feeding the animals this linseed. What is that, he asked. And it was a gentleman who was selling linseed on behalf of the Canadian Agriculture Body or the Flax Growers Association. So that perked his attention and he, he brought in a few bags of it and gave it out to people to try. Oh yeah, that's good. And kind of the business started from there. In terms of the importance of milling it, so flaxseed uh, in its whole format if you consume it it will provide lots of fiber but all of the nutrients and the micronutrients won't be absorbed as it'll just pass through your body intact which the seed is designed to do so it passes through a bird or whatever and is deposited somewhere to grow again so that's the importance of milling it so when you mill flaxseed you get all of the omega-3s, all of the vitamins, all of the minerals that otherwise you wouldn't get from whole flaxseed. So that's probably been the USP on which the business has been built. So he moves on then from delivering the milk and delivering the bread around uh, Northern Ireland. How difficult a sell was it initially? Yeah, well, he tells the story about everybody thought he was mad whenever he, he brought this bag of flaxseed in. Again, flax was grown in in our local area for the linen industry. Yeah, of course. And everybody remembers the the smell of the flax holes where they were rotting the the stalks of flax. Um, so it was a hard sell, certainly to his family initially, to say, oh, I can sell milled flaxseed and people will eat this. But yeah, it started off around local pharmacies, chemists, giving it to them, letting them try it with their customers. The feedback was good. And then it kind of widened out from there. We put a salesperson on the road, um, a cousin of mine, Fergal, and he started pushing it a bit wider, maybe into health food stores and then across Ireland. So, yeah, that's how it all 
all began. Now, you became MD, as you said there, earlier uh, this year. How has that been for you? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, it's We've had a very gradual transition, I would say, between me and Dad over the last five years, maybe. So he's been slowly winding down, and I've been slowly gaining more and more responsibility. So it wasn't a big shock as such. Um, How long have you actually been in the business? From I left school. So I left school, done my A-levels and straight into the business thinking I want to learn as much as I can from my dad. He's 65 at that stage or slightly younger than that. Um, But he's still here, so I'm still able to learn off him, which is great. It's wonderful. Um, Some people do talk about that being a little bit difficult, you know, and you you understand, though, when when you've really built something to a certain level and and actually letting go of the reins, um, but you don't want him to let go of the reins. It seems to be working well so far. It it works okay for the most part. There is always that he has run the business for 60 years, and now there's a new person coming in with, you know, my own ideas, and we're very different personalities. Dad's very outgoing um, big character I'd be more reserved and I suppose we have different styles as well he likes to be in the thick of everything you know making decisions and and having a say on everything whereas I prefer see myself more as a facilitator of of our team where I'll set the direction and the vision for the business which we've all agreed and then let people get on with it as best they can and you know offer any assistance if they need it or removing hurdles so yeah we're, we're quite different so it's it's a different approach there's a lot of change going on and it's just it's something we have to just continue to work through so and do you mind me asking what kind of change have you been looking to implement well I suppose that that would be one of them that I highlighted there in terms of how we manage and empowering people um as I said dad would be making and, and involved in nearly every decision and I'm kind of a bit more hands off and let people um, do that so that's one change I suppose other changes would be looking at different markets perhaps looking at the US for example is something that we were in the US we exited it but we're revisiting that again now with a new types of product so This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 Right, so I'll get on to the product in, in just a minute because I know it has expanded, the portfolio has expanded, but um, you've got your brother Joseph and your sister Ellen also involved. I'm just wondering, what is it like working with family? Perhaps you don't know anything else. Yeah, that's it. We've we've grown up in the business. Um, myself and Joe, I remember stickering bread from 10 years of age in the bread store every evening after school. There's good and bad in it. It's great that we get to spend so much time together and work together, but it can be difficult then to separate work and family at points as well. And around the dinner table, the conversation can tend to drift into into work. But I suppose one good thing is there was never any expectation on us to join the business. So from 15 years of age, Dad said, 
like you can make your own choices in life. I won't tell you to do anything else, but we've all we've all graduated into the business and and got on board because I suppose it's something we all love and are passionate about. So, what did Joe and Ellen do? Joe works in primarily project management, so any new machinery or anything that needs um, upgraded or changed, he he oversees that process. He also oversees our packaging, which is quite a big piece of work in terms of we're upgrading our packaging to renewable materials, and there's a huge amount of work in that. Mm. And also all of keeping on top of all the legislation in terms of health claims and ingredients and keeping everything up to date. So that takes up most of his time. And Ellen works in the marketing department, so she looks after all of our shows and events and sampling. And they don't mind having their brother as the boss? Well, I don't... I'm not in charge of either of them directly, and I think that's a wise thing because it's hard then to separate the brother from boss or, or, you know, work colleague, so... Yeah. So tell me about the products then. What have you got now on offer? I had a che- I checked out the website. It's fabulous, and I love all the brilliant, delicious recipes that you have on there too. Um, tell us what what you offer. Yeah. So going back to our roots in terms of our milled flaxseed is still a key ingredient for a lot of our products. Uh, we've built various different mixes based on milled flaxseed, and then adding different ingredients to bring different benefits. So. One of our most popular products is a flax nuts and Q10. So we've added the nuts to bring in a bit of taste, but also there's health benefits such as selenium in Brazil nuts, which is good for your hair and nails. Then we've also added a a mineral called Q10, which is good for releasing energy within the body. And we've just, we've built out the range and we've actually launched in the last year a functional range. And at, at the minute, there's two products. There's a menoligna product, which is a menopause mm. product for women going through menopause to relieve the symptoms of menopause in a natural way. And then we have an immune product. Again, all natural ingredients, plant-based, and developed specifically to, to help the immune system. Building on that, we're adding further a cognitive product, again, to support brain health Brilliant. and and mind and then there's a heart health product as well that'll be launching in Q1 of next year. Now I said in the introduction there that you've actually experienced an increase in turnover of 17% Um, that would have been through the years of of the pandemic what do you put that down to? Yeah we've seen an uplift during during Covid years partially that's organic growth and partially we we purchased a business called Chia during that year as well, um, which probably accounts for seven or eight percent of that growth, mm-hmm. but the other ten percent was organic growth in terms of, I believe, people taking more care of their health and being more concerned with their well-being, trying to avoid getting sick or ending up in in hospital, perhaps. So there's a number of factors. Also, people weren't eating out as much, That's so right. all of their shopping and all of their food consumption was done in the supermarkets. So there's a, there's a number of factors at play. And do you think that more people now, as a result of going through the pandemic, are still cooking from scratch? I believe so, yeah. I think people are certainly more interested in their health, where their food comes from. We see a movement towards more plant-based, both from a health perspective and also from a sustainability perspective. 
which is good for us. Mm-hmm. We're, we tick both of those boxes as such. And yeah, I suppose a key part of our messaging is getting out how do you use this product? So trying to get people to include it into their diets. In well, talk us through then. How, how do you use the product? Yeah, primary occasion is breakfast. So over 90% of our products, from what we can gather, is used at breakfast time. It's probably the most health-conscious meal of the day, if that makes sense. People are most health-conscious in the morning time, right. and that, that, I think, tends to fade as the day goes on by the time... Nine o'clock comes, you're reaching for the, the bar of chocolate. The and sweet the, things. Yeah. So, so what do you do? Just add it to your cereal or your yogurt or whatever in the morning? Yeah, so it's as simple as just sprinkle a bit over your your porridge or your cereal or add it into a yogurt or a smoothie. Now, it can also be added into into soups, into casseroles you know, later in the day. But as I say, the, the majority of our, our customers use it at breakfast time. And... What difference do you actually see? What feedback do you get from customers? Is that important to you to see, does this actually make a difference? Does it work? What are we claiming here? And, and you know, are we telling the truth, I suppose, because there's res- responsibility um, on your part as well? Absolutely. Trust is such a key thing in terms of our industry. And, you know, all our claims are all European food safety approved claims. So they're EFSA approved. It's not something that we're making up and saying, oh, this is good for X, Y, or Z, or this this cures cancer. We don't say any of that. Everything that we claim is is legitimate and is approved. So, you know, for omega-3, there's a cholesterol claim to say it, it helps manage your cholesterol levels. That's been clinically proven to do that. For vitamin D, for example, there's an immune support claim. Vitamin C, the same. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's lots of different benefits that... Um, are approved and and regulated. It's a heavily regulated industry. And which is your favourite product then? What do you like, enjoy eating? I prefer the the Flex Nuts and Q10, both from a taste perspective and from the benefit in terms of energy because I don't think anyone could do with less energy or no. you know you can't have enough energy so well that is something you hear you know people are just constantly tired they're busy life just you just need something to keep you going and yeah. do you see results from i do i find it funny in my digestive system primarily if i st- and it's it's kind of inverse you find a difference when you stop taking the product other than you know finding a, a it's not like taking a cup of coffee and you feel the benefits within minutes yeah this is something it takes maybe a week, 10 days to build up and you start to find the benefits. But if you stop, that's when you notice the difference. Right, gotcha. Yeah, that's always the way, isn't it? Um, how do you compare then to your competitors on the market? Yeah, so it's not a hugely competitive space. We would be the leading brand in, in this area in terms of milled seeds and, and probably health foods in general in the UK. I would say... Primarily from a quality perspective, we, we have a lot of processes in place that, to my knowledge, our competitors don't have. So we scan the product optically to make sure that there's nothing that shouldn't be in the seed. So we have, we have a high degree of purity. We also then steam process it to remove and eliminate the microbiological risk from bacteria. So it means that our product is safe. And then we have an automated production facility which means we have consistent product every time so you the pack you buy last week and the pack you buy in a month's time will be 
the same. So. And do you produce all of the flaxseed? Do you grow uh, everything yourself now? Is it you know? Can you can you talk us through the journey? Yeah. So it's it's a global business in terms of we import seeds from around the world. There's very little actually grows in Ireland right. or in, or Northern Ireland in particular. Some of our product we're exploring the possibility of bringing in some flax from the UK at this point, but mm-hmm. at the minute. Most of our flax comes from Eastern Europe. I'm actually going to Argentina now on Thursday Gosh. to meet a flax supplier to, I suppose, diversify our supply chain and, and give us a bit of security that if if the harvest went down in, in Poland or in Kazakhstan, that we have an alternative supply of flax because we're overly reliant on one source at the minute. Mm. So, yeah, we take all the seeds in. Our pumpkin seed, our sunflower seeds are European where possible. Almonds are from Spain or Italy. So yeah, it's very much a global business. And then we take them in, we, we clean the product, we test everything before it gets into our factory to make sure that it meets our standards. We then, we clean it, we steam treat it, we mill it, and then we blend it into the different mixes and pack it all ourselves in our factory in Armagh. And how many do you have team-wise then, how many staff? Yeah, so we have a great team of 80 people working Back in the, the bread and milk days, we had about 250, so um, we're slimmed down a lot, right. but we're a much stronger business now uh, for that. So yeah, we have a fabulous team across sales, marketing, production, quality, HR, and and administration as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting. And amazingly, you told me this just before we, we started the podcast today, that 95% of what you make leaves Northern Ireland. That's incredible. So where do you export to? Yeah, so if we were trying to build a business just on flaxseed or health food eaters in Northern Ireland, we wouldn't probably have got off the ground. Dad was very, um, I suppose, had great foresight to see that initially and said, look, we need to expand this out. Initially, we expanded into the Republic of Ireland. It's, it's an easy, natural yeah. fit to do that. We then moved into the UK market with Holland and Barrett. It was one of our first big customers and, and remains that way. And we also then started to export into, we explored what countries have the highest percentage of organic sales, for example, and are interested in their health. And Spain was one of those countries that, that came up. So we started exporting to Spain probably 10 years ago and actually just I seen last week that Spain has actually overtaken Ireland as our second biggest market behind the UK. Gosh. We also export into France, into Italy. We 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 sell product further afield than that into the Middle East, into Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, but really our focus is on building our brand and developing a market in in those four or five European countries. So let's talk a little bit more about sustainability. You talked about the importance, the changing over of the packaging. Let's talk about responsible business. And you've also mentioned there, um, you know, about your supply chain as well. Um, Are you transitioning to carbon neutral like everyone else? Talk us through your green journey. Yeah, so sustainability is obviously vital for not just Linwoods, but for every business. And it's something that personally I'm really passionate about. If I was leaving university now, I'd probably be looking for a job in that green industry. So mm-hmm. that was one of the things as I as I succeeded that as MD that I wanted to put a key focus on. So we have signed a, a climate action pledge with business in the community mm-hmm. that we reduce our carbon footprint by 30% by 2030. 
we've probably been a bit conservative in that, and I would hope to exceed that by a long distance by 2030. In terms of what we're doing, if measuring our carbon footprint, our gas usage is about 66% of our scope one and two emissions. So if we can decarbonize our gas, that will you know, go a long way to reducing our carbon footprint. But we have done, we have done, made some steps in that direction. As I said, we're moving to recyclable packaging. We have actually planted a woodland on ten acres of of company-owned ground with six thousand trees Brilliant. just earlier in the year. So that'll be nice to see how that develops and grows. That'll promote diversity in or biodiversity, I should say, in on our site and also sequester carbon for for years to come. So it's it'll be also an amenity then to the local community. We're also working to put a 100 kilowatt PV solar system on our roof. We have 50 kilowatts already, but we want to, to add to that as well. So yeah, there's there's lots of things going on in the background, but until we can crack the recyclable pouches, that's probably the hurdle we have to get over before we can really start to, to talk about our, our green journey. But I'm sure you will, and it's just identifying what you need to do and just focus on it. Someone will have the solution somewhere for you. Um, what about the energy bills? Have you seen a huge hike? We have. We have. Thankfully, we're not a massive energy-hungry business, Good. which is lucky um, in that respect. But even in the last two months, three months, we have been able to reduce our gas usage by about 20% by just becoming more efficient and focusing on our processes and, and better utilisation of our equipment. So that has kind of offset some of the bills, but of course we're still being hit by increasing costs and, and raising raising bills. And then dis- distribution as well and all of the vehicles required and the fuel. Um, have you had to pass this cost on to the customer? We did. So we, we implemented a cost price increase in April of this year, February of this year. Um, and it's our first one in probably five years, so we're very reluctant to pass on increases in cost because we know food is is expensive enough. But we we had no choice in terms of our, our labour costs were going up, our energy bills and our transport. So we ha- we didn't pass all of that cost on. We had to absorb some of that, but unfortunately that's business and that's the climate that we're in it is it is and would you say that business in the community have been very helpful for you i I know i've spoken to a number of people lately and that's signing the climate action pledge also you know signing up to let them help you to understand exactly how how green you are um and you know the benchmarking that they do as well have you found them helpful yeah absolutely it's been it's been really informative so we've done a carbon literacy program as part of the, the action pledge, and it was really good. I had a reasonable understanding of climate change and greenhouse gases, but that program really filled in the blanks for me to give me a really, I suppose, all-encompassing view of climate action and, and what we need to do and where we need to focus our our attention on. I think that's the thing for so many businesses. They don't quite know um, where to start. Yeah. So you'd recommend going along and getting some help, no matter how big or small you are. Absolutely. There was there was companies from you know multi hundreds of millions turnover businesses down to us, down to you know two and three people businesses, and I think everyone can benefit from that education and that knowledge. Now the world we live in, it, it is so uncertain. And again, you touched on the supply chain and you know looking at different ways to to bring in the flax. 
were you very aware of what was happening with the war in Ukraine, for example? Did that impact on you in any way? It didn't impact us in terms of our current supplies, but we were actually due to go out to Ukraine in February to meet a new supplier who we'd been in talks with for a number of months about planting, you know, mm. four or five hundred acres of flaxseed for us in Ukraine. But obviously then the war kicked off and unfortunately that guy had to go and start fighting in the war and oh. sadly one of their employees was killed oh, goodness. in one of the you know, one of the early months of the war. So yeah, that turned that project upside down, um, which is probably then where we've we've had a pivot and, and look to Argentina instead. Mm, and that ability to be flexible or not put all your eggs in one basket sort of thing. It's the, I think a lot of people are learning that. Yeah, it's important that we're not overly reliant on one on one supply chain mm. or one supplier. One source, yeah. Um, how do you feel about the world that we live in at the minute? Because I know you're a dad now to a four-year-old daughter yourself. Do you see her coming into the business? What kind of world do you think she's growing up into? That's a good question. I'm, I'm generally a positive person, so yeah, there's, there's lots of challenges and the war in Ukraine is, is obviously a huge a huge economic issue and, and humanitarian issue. Mm-hmm. There's climate change coming down the tracks at us as well. But at the same time, we've probably never had it as good in terms of um, you know, quality of life and living standards. Yes, we're getting squeezed at the minute, but if you, if you look back 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, we're so much further along. And yeah, I see lots of opportunities and lots of positive things to look forward to in terms of uh, my daughter Aoife and the business a bit like dad we were never um, pressurized into the business or there was no expectation and similarly my only goal for Aoife is that she's happy and if she wants to come into the business great and if she wants to go and do something else then I'll, I'll fully support that yeah and do you think that do you think that we will make a difference if, if, if everybody is more responsible and you know more responsible in the way they run their businesses do you think that we'll improve the planet for her and the other children coming now do you think that people really are taking it seriously people probably aren't taking it seriously enough i don't think i think we'll get there humanity will always find a way and but unfortunately it'll only be when the the guns put to your head that we actually take notice of it and start to really change behaviours. And that's probably the hardest bit is changing. People want to maintain their current standard of living. They don't want to sacrifice, but they want to be green, but not give up anything. So, well, I say people, I say most people, I should say. Um, but we all can play a part. But there's other things like transport and shipping, for example, that Linwoods can't. We can't decarbonize that on our own. The yeah. industry has to decarbonize mm-hmm. before we can remove that from our carbon footprint. So we're all kind of interconnected and reliant on each other to do. If we decarbonize our bit and shipping industry decarbonizes their bit and the travel you know, and aviation industry work on their bit, then together all of it will come come around and, and you know, make the difference in the mm, end and we get greener forms of energy and we make that switch the sooner the better i, I think and um, what would you say have been the biggest challenges that you've overcome in business maybe not just you personally but lynn woods yeah so going back five or six years ago we 
we were a very different business, as I alluded to earlier. So we had bakery and dairy. We had 250 people employed and alongside our health food business. And really, the bakery and dairy business was a very commoditized, highly competitive, very fine margin business that you're competing for every quarter penny or half penny per unit. Mm -hmm. And then we had this health food business, which was more niche, more brand led. We were we were market leaders, so we really had a we had a strong business that was supporting a weaker business as such. And we had to make the hard decision that we would discontinue with the bakery and dairy business. So Gosh. we divested out of it. Unfortunately that led to a lot of redundancies, probably about a hundred and eighty people in total. Now we we took great care to I suppose treat them as well as we could. Um, in terms of their redundancy package and treat them fairly for the, all of the service. There's a lot of guys there and, and ladies who worked for us for 30 mm. years. That was their first job out of school, being a bread man. And, and a local area and you know the community and you knew yeah. everyone. Yeah, so that was really tough um, going through that. And actually, the night that we announced that was the first time I've ever seen anyone get a a round of applause having delivered redundancy messages and that was probably down to the level of respect that those people had for dad Gosh. and I suppose how he had treated them over the over the years so people they don't like to hear that but they they respected him enough to know that there was no other choice in this in the matter and it would have brought down the whole business had we continued so that was a tough spell um, for the business for the family and as you say for the local community then probably moving on from that probably the cost price increases that we're seeing at the minute um, having to absorb that and it's obviously hit our bottom line as well but we just have to have to deal with that and find ways around that and then probably our, our key challenge at the minute is trying to grow awareness of of A, the brand, and B, the benefits of our product to, I suppose, recruit more customers. Being a niche, it's not like bread or milk. You go out and you're going to, 90% of people buy bread or milk. Whereas this is, this is down in the 1 and 2%, and we just need to get it to 3 or 4%, and we'll... And Linwood's is stocked in almost every grocery store now. So, you know, if people are listening to this now, and they're going to pick up their bread and their milk... <laughs> Tell them now why they should throw in a pack of Linwoods as well. Yeah, so I suppose the primary benefit, what our what our brand and our proposition is all based on health. So, you know, enabling people, enhancing their health and well-being and helping them feel great. So I suppose that will, that's our, that's our purpose. That's why we exist is to help people's health and well-being. So by adding Linwoods products to your diet will help your health and eventually help you feel better and, and feel great every day that's what we want to do so um yeah that, that's that's kind of the primary benefit so throw in that packet give it give it a go and yeah. um you know that they'll have more energy and they'll feel they'll feel better for it um where do you think you'll be in five years ten years what's next for linwoods um i'll probably be still in the business i hope um if it's still afloat at that stage, hopefully under my under my guidance, it will be. I'm sure it will, because uh, we have a really great team. So luckily, it's not it's not just reliant on me. I would say innovation is a key driver for us. So we at the minute, yes, we have a wide array of products, but 
in terms of format, they're all pouches of, of seeds and different health foods that we have to add to food. So one of our key things is having to widen that format offering, whether it's into bars or into you know more food-based products. So that that's where we're going um, in the next three to five years. So I suppose watch the space where where could Linwoods be? Um, so essentially anything that relates to health, could we do a healthy version of X, Y, or Z? Mm. And that's where we're going. And who helps you with that vision? Do you have a mentor? Do you just do that as collectively as a team? Or where do you go for your inspiration? I would say, firstly, Dad's a very visionary person. So traditionally, he would have been very much the person driving that vision. Inspiration-wise, you, you get it from from everywhere and all angles, whether it's, I was in London on Thursday, just out walking around shops to see what's there, but also most importantly, what's not there. Yeah. And you don't see, you don't pick up everything, but you know, going to shows, we go to a lot of shows and trade shows across Europe to see again, what the trends are. Dad spends a lot of time researching. That's essentially his full-time job now is, is reading and researching and what's the latest trend and, trying to discern what's a what's a fad, you know, something that's gonna go up really high and, and come down again just as quickly in six months time or what's a sustainable trend that's gonna last for five, six years. I mean you really you're doing that, which is brilliant, but you really want your customers to start looking at what they can do with your product as well. As mm-hmm. I said, when you were coming in, I checked out the website and I, and the, the recipes are absolutely delicious. So there's loads of inspiration there. Do you tie up with celebrity chefs or influencers to say, you know, give this a go, you can make this? Yeah, absolutely. So part of our marketing we do tie in with influencers to I suppose display the usage occasions and how you can use it. So, yeah, a bowl of porridge with with a bit of flaxseed, two spoonfuls of flaxseed on it doesn't look the most appealing on on Instagram. So we 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 have to look at other kind of usage occasions, whether it's in brownies or cookies or you know in baking or other breakfast, you know, uh, acai bowls or or yogurt, whatever. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And and do you see when the influencers are involved, do they make a difference? Do you see sales go up? Yeah. So when we focus, say, our marketing, January is, is probably our biggest month of the year in terms of sales when everybody's coming <laughs> off Christmas <laughs> yes. and they're, they're trying to get on the diet on the diet and trying to get into shape and a bit of a health kick. Mm-hmm. So we do focus a lot of our marketing and our branding around January. So we'd be running, you know, our price promotions will be happening in the supermarkets. We'd have our our influencer campaigns, our digital campaigns. But I suppose one of the key things is, yes, so usage occasion is important and how you use it, but actually we have pivoted from, previously we would have been very feature-led, so we talked about omega-3 or we talked about vitamin D, but we were relying on people to make the connection between omega-3 and the benefit, i.e. cholesterol. So we have we have pivoted that message around where we're, our marketing is very education-led and benefit-led. Mm-hmm. So we're now talking about the health benefit first. Yeah, so the help with the menopause, the help with the cognition, correct. the help with the heart, and immediately you understand. Yeah, and that requires a more in-depth interaction with the consumer than, say, a billboard on the side of the M1 that you fly past every day. You're not going to get enough information or in-depth knowledge about the, the mm-hmm. products from that. So... 
the likes of podcasts, the likes of uh, webinars, which we're now running to promote. So we had a menopause webinar in October. We're running an immune one now in November where you actually get the chance to interact with customers and, and really educate them on the benefits. And so our, our marketing mix has changed into a more educational um, format. And that's very exciting, though, and doing something different. Yeah. So same question to all of the guests, Patrick, but the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as Linwood's. What advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Yeah, I suppose the first thing I would say is to ask themselves why. So why are you interested in this or why are you thinking about this venture or, or doing this? I'm a big fan of a gentleman called Simon Sinek. Mm, me too. And <laughs> he's, his books start with why. Yeah. And so I suppose that's where you have to, for me that's where it starts is, you know, why do I want to do this? And if you're passionate about it and you love it, then I think you'll find a way to make it work. If you're doing it just to make money, that that enthusiasm will run out and it will wear off on the, the tough days in November or sales aren't great or, you know, but if you're really passionate about it, that will drive you through those, those harder days. I suppose the other thing, and I relate this back to dad, is if dad really comes to life when you tell him something's not possible <laughs> so when you tell him look we have a problem here i can't find a solution that's when he really kicks into gear so yeah i think he doesn't recognize the word impossible at all so that's a, he brings solutions doesn't he yeah absolutely yeah, so i say fires him up yeah i would say that you know everything is possible if you just have to find find a way and uh, he regularly uses the Thomas Edison example of the light bulb and somebody said but you've you've tried a hundred times and it hasn't worked and he says yes we've found a hundred ways it doesn't work but we will still find a way that it does work so he's very much of that that mindset that we just know what doesn't work but we'd still find a way I love that. I love that determination and that resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Big boots to fill, Patrick, but I'm sure you're doing a great job. And with him at the helm still, yeah. it, it's a fantastic business and a fantastic story. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Public Eye podcast. And I hope everyone listening enjoyed that and will join me for the next episode very soon. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.